This is the Monday Nooner Podcast, brought to you by... High Tech Profiles, the locally owned and operated steel processor serving the agricultural, mining, construction, oil and gas and creative industries. Serving Western Canada and the Northern U.S. for over 25 years. High Tech is your 24-7 solution to ensure that you meet your deadlines. Sports Clips in Regina. You need your salad cut and want to do it while watching sports? Why wouldn't a guy? Get your full VIP treatment, including the deadly steam towel and scalp massage at Sports Clips Regina. If people ask you if you want to go do something in life, just say, why wouldn't a guy? Or why wouldn't a girl? This is former Notre Dame Hound and Regina Pat Barry Trotz, and you're listening to the Monday Nooner. in there as well. Boychuk looking for it. Tavares pulls it out. Tavares backhand towards the goal. Loose puck. Everybody scores! Tie game! Can you believe it? Well, hello and a big welcome to all the degenerates and pigeons tuned in. Welcome to twirl number 66 of the Monday Nooner podcast. The pod, as always, brought to you by our title sponsors, Rosetown Mainline Motors and Mainline Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram. Of course, both of those dealerships in the beautiful town of Rosetown, Saskatchewan. Both of them the king of trucks and both worth the drive every time guaranteed. It's Boz and Belts with you. No Barry this week, Shane. Uh, first off, have you heard from Barry? Do you know what he's up to here this week? It's been pretty quiet on the Barry front, but I, I have got some intel from up north. I heard he's in, actually, this is honest to God serious. I heard they're having like a little bit of a canoe or kayak tournament up there, and the winner gets a couple free rounds at Elk Ridge. So he's all in, right? Like he wants those free rounds. So I heard he's training, you know, scooping the paddle in there, him and uh, him and Mrs. S. Mrs. S is probably in the front yelling at him. So yeah, that's what I heard he's doing. He's up there training right now. You know, the Olympics are on right now, and... Olympics are that one time that I'll watch any sport, like regardless of if I'm a fan of that sport or not. Like I've watched some weird stuff. I was just watching the ladies skateboarding finals, but last night I was watching uh, canoe kayaking Yeah, and they just go as fast as they can in a straight line. Not the best watch. And, uh, well, Barry might not know this, but they're actually pulling it from the Olympics after this year. So 2024 Paris, he's, uh, he's going to be looking for something else that week. If he'd have known that, he might might have been on the show tonight. He's probably, you knowing him, that's what he's training for, trying to get in there in 2024. But uh, yeah, I mean, what a, I, I'm sure he'd be going in circles, though. Do you think he'd, he'd get that straight lead? He'd, he'd veer out of it. Like he does everything in life, he veers out of his lane. Like for sure he would. Like the golf course, yeah. He's yeah, all over the map there. Doesn't stay straight. The show will go on, and we had so much fun uh, last week that uh, Belts and I have kind of talked here, and we thought, you know what, we got to bring the pod back here. Um, every week if we can obviously times are busy but uh, we're going to try and get as many shows shows out as we can in august and kind of carry through uh to the fall and we've already talked to some sponsors shane and people are excited to uh, come back on board 
Yeah, no, it's been good. And obviously, like you say, Buzz, with time, it, we haven't got to everybody yet. So if you haven't heard from us, don't don't panic. We're, we're going to get to you. But everybody I've talked to is basically back in. We've had a couple guys that want to allocate money different different places, which we totally understand. But uh, no, it's been really good. We're excited to get rocking and just short shows, short shows in August, you know, which really, you know what, leads me right into the come up for Joel Trapp and, uh, and Rob Peterson at, at Realty One. I haven't got a chance to check out with these guys. Don't know if they're coming back or not this year, but you know, they've been with us from the start. Great guys. You guys are looking to buy or sell some property. Uh, give them a shout, right? Commercial residential. They won't lead you astray. These guys are straight shooters. I bought a place through them and, uh, and they were fantastic. So this, this today's show, you know, me and Boz can do a little chirping, little, uh, little Jap and berry and uh, nothing too heavy, but our, our guest today, ex Regina Pat NHL stud new member of the Seattle crack and Jordan Eberly. So it'll be uh, exciting to get him on the show and chat with him. Yeah, obviously a great career. I've been a fan of his since the Pats, but obviously the Oilers, big Oilers fan. And uh, yeah, nice to see him having a lot of success elsewhere. And like you said, a good Sasky weapon, one of five Sasky weapons that uh, Seattle took in that draft. So excited to chat with Ebs. And you mentioned belts. These are short shows. I call these two beer shows. Two beer shows like yeah. come in around an hour. Normally they're three, four beer shows, but uh, for August, she's a, she's a two brew house ultra show here today. So, so you're not too tight by the end of it and slurring your words like big bear. Not, uh, not this time around. We'll see what happens in the fall. So speaking of shows, Boz, you're, uh, you're back in Regina. You're back in lovely Sask. Glad to have you back. But you got a new apartment and you, I can tell because you've asked me to turn my camera off and back on a few times already. So you cheaped out and you got the ultra cheap package for internet, didn't you? Yeah, I think uh, it's through Access Communications, good uh, Saskatchewan company. Um, I think they have like the ultra 85. I got like the awful 25 pack i think it's called <laughs> it's the slowest internet they have but i'm like yeah i work from home maybe one day a week i'm on the road every other day it's like i don't game i watch a little netflix and uh yeah the struggle is real so i'm gonna have to call access and uh they have really fast options i just cheaped out and as you can see behind me shane i'm sitting on a kitchen chair i'm in that. an empty living room i got furniture ordered and uh, it's not here yet so i'm uh Kind of slumming it, crappy internet, no furniture here this week. You're on, you're on the dial-up package. They're like, do you have a phone? You're like, no, no more landline. They're like, Ugh, you can't go with the Ultra 20 then. You have to go with the 25. The that 20 was, dial-up. yeah, the dial-up, dial-up life. That was a good portion of my childhood, the dial-up. And then when I was a teenager, my dad got this thing that they interrupt the internet with, your, uh, with phone calls. So if somebody yeah. calls while you're on the internet, it kicks you off the internet and the phone rings, <laughs> Yeah, man, that was the worst. So me and my siblings would fight. And then like, we'd go and call the house from the bag phone in the minivan <laughs> to boot them off. Cause their 45 minutes was up. <laughs> classic, classic, classic at the Basler farm. That's for sure. Hey, how have those ultras been? Those uh, great West. I, I've been, I've been crushing them. I, uh, Hubsy hooked me up, gave me a few cases, took them to Lake. We had a bunch of people out there and they got absolutely demolished. Um, well, we had everybody out there. So, uh, I think they're a big hit. I like crushing them and I like, uh, I like them with clam, I like them both ways. I took my, I took some up to my parents, uh, cabin as well. They were hit. Everybody's like, what are those all like, what are those? They look like that other ultra, but I said, yeah, they are. Yes. They look like them, but they taste a lot better and actually taste like beer. Right. You know, so definite big hit this summer and uh, yeah, halfway through my first of the two beer on the two beer show here. 
Hey, like speaking it. speaking of guzzling belts, yep. This upcoming uh, Friday night, so people are listening on Thursday. Friday night, the riders get back into Regina. We've actually got a little giveaway. We're going to announce the winner at the end of the show. But uh, wanted to talk about this, and it might be kind of a hot button issue with a lot of people because I've had a lot of conversations about this the last couple of days. Now, I come from Manitoba. I'm back in Saskatchewan now, like you mentioned. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers, you have to have a passport for a lot of things to leave the province, to travel, whatever. But you also need your uh, immunization passport to go to a Blue Bombers game. And people are pretty, pretty split on this topic. And I'll tell you, yeah. I was leaning, leaning one way and I'm kind of leaning the other way now. So what do you think about requiring vaccines to go to sporting events? As you know, the riders, you don't need any proof of vaccination to go to games. You know, I'm a fence sitter on this one, Boz. I completely... Classic. I understand. I know, but I understand both sides of it, right? Like it's, you know, we have full freedoms to do whatever we want to do. But then I look at it where I look at it from my kid's point of view. My kids can't get vaccinated. I'm obviously vaccinated. My wife's vaccinated. They can't. So they don't have a choice. So if I want to take them and then I, I have to mask them up and say, I, I don't know. It's definitely a personal choice. Um, you know, I'd mask my kids up regardless if we had to go to something like that. But do they have to be? I don't know. That really, I don't know. Does it infringe on people's uh, freedoms? What do you think? Yeah. Well, I, I get what people are saying. I don't want to take my kids and be, you know, next to somebody that could, yeah. whatever. I totally respect that. And somebody said, well, you probably wouldn't sell as many tickets if you had to be vaccinated. And I'm like, I don't know. I've talked to a lot of people who said, you know what? I'm going to sit out this year because I don't yeah. want to put my loved ones in that situation next to it. So it's a hot button issue. I know the riders definitely weren't sold out. Going into this game, they are yeah. now. I heard they gave away like 4,000 tickets to uh, healthcare workers. I'm not sure if that's well, the exact number, but yeah, which is great, but uh, definitely didn't sell out on its own. That's for sure. Yeah, I wish I could give you a better straight answer, but I'm a real fence sitter on that one because I do have I do have buddies that are like totally dead set against it. Do I call them conspiracy theorists behind their back? Yes. But I mean, I guess if you don't want to get that injection, there's nothing saying you you have to get it. But on the other hand, then... You know, look at some of these universities and, and this is a conversation I had, I had, uh, with, with certain individuals, some of these universities in Canada have said, you have to be required before to get it before you come on their campus. Right. And people are saying, well, you can't do that. And I'm saying, well, you totally can. They own the property. They own the business. They can make their own rules. Right. Same as the riders. They could make their own rules. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, I usually I'm the fence sitter guy and I guess I kind of am too, but, uh, just one of those hot button issues where I do understand both sides and uh, yeah, we'll see if it affects crowds of this season, but that giveaway, we're going to get to that uh, later in the show on uh, Twitter and Instagram. The other day, we put out a little prize pack, green rider, uh, nooner hat and a green shirt and some koozies. So listen for the end of the show to find out if you're the big winner with the nooner giveaway. Hey boss, why don't we, uh, you want to hop into any shout outs? You got any shout outs we could rock tonight? Synergy AG shout outs. Yeah, I got a couple shout outs. I'll go first here and it kind of ties in nicely to Synergy AG uh, with the new gig, spending a lot of my time or all of my time, I guess, in Southeast Saskatchewan, Estevan, Weber and Mooseman areas. Uh, just want to give a big old salute. And that was part of the reason I wanted to come back early belts is our friends out there are in the combines right now. They're taking off peas, lentils, that kind of thing. Within the next couple of weeks, guys are telling me everything's going to be ready to combine. So it's an early harvest. Unfortunately, that's not necessarily a good thing um, for our farming friends. Crops aren't as, uh, as good as we've had in recent years. So just want to give a shout out to all of our farming listeners and friends out there going up and down the fields or driving the grain cart or the grain truck or whatever. 
you know, it's been kind of a tough year, but uh, next year will be better. And hopefully we're giving you some entertainment while you're out there. Yeah, boss, for sure, man. Those farmers having a tough year. You know, we, uh, we got a bunch of land out by Waldeck, my family, and we, we oh, rented out. We, we, well, no, no, we, we just crop share with people. So we, my, my parents do it and, and it's something that they do to make it fair for everybody that, you know, if you got a bad crop, my dad's like, she's not going to be very good this year. So, uh, yeah, I know, I know those guys are hurting, uh, hurting and hopefully they can get something for their crops or get that, uh, insurance money. Like quick Dick was talking about last week coming in, but, uh, yeah, I got crop a, share I got a show. Guy. crop share guy. I don't Hashtag. know if that's, I, I don't know if there's few, many of those guys uh, left these days. No, they, old, old they, Lair. Lair, Lair the crop he's old share. school, man. He's old yeah. school. He doesn't like screwing over his buddies and away he goes. Yeah. He rocks awesome. and rolls. And, uh, yeah. Anyway, I got a big shout out. My buddy, Brian Gesner. I work with Brian and uh, he's a plumber and super great guy. He picked me up some stuff I needed last week. And, uh, I know this is the show. He's been going through a pretty tough time. Lost his dad this year. And, uh, it's always tough, uh, I guess, at, at whatever age, but his dad was quite young. So a uh, big shout out to Big Bri. We love you, buddy. And uh, yeah, well, thanks for uh, for being just a good dude and a good friend. Hey, let's, uh, let's give another shout out to our friends at the Regina Trappers. They are a baseball team and we're actually sponsoring. Yeah, that's right. We're sponsoring their AA Senior Provincials this weekend. So if you go watch them this weekend at the park, um, Foul balls going to be sponsored by the Monday Nooner podcast. So kids can get the foul balls and I think they get a dollar for them if they take them back to the shack there. Um, so yeah, just want to give a shout out to the uh, trappers this weekend and let everybody know if you're not going to the rider game and maybe you're uh, wanting to go to a smaller crowd there and uh, less crowded, they're actually playing on the Friday night at Curry field against the Regina ghosts. So they did say they were going to get a big screen up and put up the rider, uh, the rider game. But if you're looking for something to do this weekend, senior double a provincial uh, baseball Curry field, Regina trappers. Why wouldn't a guy? So one more shout out Peltsky. This is pretty cool. Brett, uh, Breit Kruitz. I'm, I butchered that name. Absolutely butchered that name, but uh, fisherman guy, in his nice. Twitter Twitter photo, he's uh, dragging a boat out of the water. So uh, I like it. And you know where it says your location on Twitter? Yeah. Like you can put where you live. His says wherever the fish are biting. Big nice. fisherman. But he's also a uh, professional hockey player. Wow. He sent, sent us a message from Germany, and he said, people think I'm crazy because I'm laughing my ass off thinking of Dick with a Y, Onslow, working the phone lines in the sprayer, <laughs> Kenny Holland on Free Agent Frenzy Day, trying to build the buffs back into a web. And, <laughs> I enjoy listening, boys. Keep it up. Nice to have a few laughs and stay in touch with the local scene all the way from Germany. So, Brett, thanks for listening out there, and uh, good luck this season. Yeah, let's get Brett back for a little walleye competition. I'm sure Gubba will challenge him with his little one-pounders that he catches all the time, and uh, let's go. Yeah, sounds good. So that's shout-outs for Synergy AG. Uh, Bozzy, quick little last show recap. Chuck this one back out, the Cathedral Electric Gold Spoons. I know he's probably giving her. It's been hot out. We know it's been hot. We're melting. And, uh, yeah, he's probably chucking in ACs like a bastard. So, yeah, give old Spoonsy a call. Last show, Quick Dick, Mick Dick, and uh, Mr. Lind. What did uh, you think? I love Quick Dick. I love having one. He's just an absolute weapon. Yeah, he's good. And he's so original, like, you know. Everything was off the cuff. We didn't tell him this is what we're going to talk about, whatever, yeah. but he's just so sharp and, and so quick and uh, yeah, quick, quick dick, quick dick. And Mr. Lind. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully he gets a shot with the crack in there and can crack the lineup there in Seattle. There you go. Yeah. Last show recap for Dave Spooner, Cathedral Electric. I'll have to talk. I was talking to him actually. We're going to go golfing, but uh, 
Got to confirm whether or not he's going to be back with the Belcaris Bronx wagon in the Capel Valley Hockey League because obviously yeah. he's a goaltender there. So we'll get into that probably a little bit over the next couple months when we get into senior hockey season. I really like it. You know what else I really like, Boz? Before uh, before we carry on, is the cask whiskey that Last Mountain produces. I enjoy it. I really do. Whether with a Pepsi or a little bit of ginger, I had another one uh, the other night. Doctor Braden and he uh, he slipped me a bottle on my way out to the lake, and uh, it's half gone already in two nights. So yeah, it's absolute delicious stuff. If you get a chance, whip out there and grab some. And I'm the uh, Caesar guy, dill pickle Caesar guy. Actually, the golf tournament that I just played in there last week, they had uh, that morning, everyone kind of got in one the first night. They had a recharge bar, I think it was something it was called. They were <laughs> serving up Last Mountain uh, Bill Pickle Caesars. So that was a nice yeah. touch. And I uh, carried those kind of through the whole weekend. Let's we love go. our Last Mountain. We love our Last Mountain. Yeah. Boss, I'm going to take us right into the hunting, fishing, tirade, collectible, degenerate, pigeon corner. And hey, we are looking for a new, uh, a new advertiser. For this segment, yeah, Arrow will give Arrow plumbing heating. Great guy, Curtis and those guys down there, but they've decided to test the free agent market. Yeah, they've decided to test the free agent market and uh, see if they can get some uh, some better money elsewhere. They wanted a little bit of a longer term. Maybe the money wasn't the deal. They wanted longer term. So we uh, we're we are a cap hit. We couldn't make it happen. But uh, yeah, so if anybody's interested in that, give us a shout. But hey. I got a tirade for you this week. You know what is the absolute biggest scam in the history of business nowadays is a home inspector. If you've ever had your home, if you're ever buying a home and you have it inspected. So I just did this. And I mean, I'm obviously a tradesman, so I, I know a lot of this stuff too, but these guys are such pigeons. The amount of crap that I found now that I've been in my place for a few months. And it's just like, how didn't you see that? And he's like, well, I didn't go up on the ladder. Well, how do you not go up on the ladder? Like it's a roof. How do you not go up and take a look at the roof? You signed off saying it was deadly. And now you're telling me you never went up and looked at it. So anyway, if you guys need a home inspector, just call me. I'll come in. We'll have a case of G-dubs. We'll take a quick 15-minute look like they do. And you don't have to pay me the 500 bucks. And uh, away we go. Disclaimer, I'm sure that not all home inspectors are pigeons. But uh, I'm sure some of them are actually good guys. So. Oh yeah, I'm sure. If any are, home inspectors but... are listening, uh, yeah, your profession makes you a pigeon, not you. Right. You personally are not a pigeon, just your profession. I knew they were going to be a bit of a wagon. Let's get into the interview. Let's get this weapon on the show. And speaking of weapons, this guy's a bit of a weapon. Our interview sponsor, Kent Bittner. Of course, uh, he's a mortgage broker, mortgage from my couch. I actually saw him at the Royal last week, last weekend. You were doing some golfing out there. Played a little, little tournament on uh, Friday. I was off on Friday, played in a little tourney. It was actually the member guest. It was actually sponsored by Kent Bittner and uh, Galan Insurance. But yeah, Bitsy was a sponsor and a good partner of that. And of course, a good partner of ours. And uh, yeah, obviously, when it comes time to getting a mortgage or whatever you got to do when it comes to getting a mortgage, it's as, it's as easy as uh, going online to mortgagefromycouch.com. You get that approval and then you uh, sit back on that couch and relax while Kent and his team get it all looked after. Yeah, Bitsy's a real beauty. I actually chatted with him today, Boz, and I was just like, hey, this is Belts from the Nooner, and he just started giggling, and we had a little chat, and I said, uh, doing renewals, you back in? He said, let's go. Did he actually so, yeah, say Bitsy's that? Yeah, Bitsy's back in. No, but he's uh, he's back in for uh, for another for another round with the boys, and uh, yeah, I know he's a super gem, but uh, yeah. All right, Boz, with 779 games in the show so far, 
and counting also with a world junior gold medal been a wet he was a weapon for the uh for the world juniors through his whole career glad to have him on regina boy jordan eberly all right joining us tonight jordan eberly from the now seattle kraken ebs thanks for uh thanks for hopping on the pod you're uh you're a new member i guess of a uh, expansion team how's uh, how's that feel uh, it's great. Um, you know, I've had a couple of weeks here for it to sink in. So, um, you know, it's been, it's been a whirlwind for sure. I mean, one minute you're, um, you hear that you're unprotected and then the next you hear that you're picked up. So, um, you know, there's, there's obviously mixed feelings originally. Um, I'm coming from a team, obviously we were, in my opinion, I thought we were one game away from winning the Stanley cup. So, um, you know, that hurts. And, and, and like any guy leaving from any team, you got friendships, you have guys you've come close to, you've started, uh, you know, I've started a family there, you know, we have people we know within the city and it's, it's always tough to leave that, but, um, the positive side of it, I'm coming to a place that, I mean, everything's new, um, new teammates, new coaching staff, new team, uh, new city. Uh, it's a lot closer to home. Once I've got to Seattle, I got a chance to, um, just see how, you know, amazing the fans were. And I think, you know, from my understanding is I think they sold 10,000 season tickets in about 10 minutes. So, um, you know, that's never been done. The excitement level around the team, the new arena, the ownership, just everything. It's, it's been unbelievable. And, uh, and not to mention Seattle's a beautiful, beautiful city. So, um, super, super, uh, excited about that. Obviously the Islanders, you had a lot of weapons on that team, like a deep team. There's a lot of good players that weren't protected just because of the depth. So, I mean, going in, knowing you're unprotected, did you think there was a pretty good chance you're going to get picked or were you still a little surprised when you got the call? Um, I, I was, I was surprised. Um, you know, you, you hear your name floating around about being unprotected in the first place. Um, I was, you know, I was, uh, I wasn't a hundred percent sure what was going to happen there. Um, ultimately get the call that you, that you are unprotected. You know, you're a little bit shocked. I thought maybe I would have been, but um, you know, it's a, it's a calculated risk. I mean, there's, there's, I, I know there's a lot that's going on in, in GM's minds as far as, um, who they think they're going to take. Uh, there's, there's just so many unanswered questions and it's hard to predict. So um, once I found out that, um, you know, it's kind of anything, any, you have no idea. You know, there's a, definitely an opportunity that you're going to get picked. Um, and it, I, I just, I had no idea. So um, I, I, it was a stressful three or four days after the list came out. Um, you know, my wife and I were talking about it. And, and also on top of that, I mean, there's a, there's a weirdness of, you know, in my mind that if, if I wasn't going to get picked going back to the, you know, the same team, you know, it's kind of like a, it's a weird feeling. So almost like you're unwanted. So, um, you know, I, the way it worked out for me, I'm super excited about the opportunity to go to Seattle and um, starting fresh. So I got to ask you, we had trots on back in the day and uh, he, he was an absolute weapon on the show. And, you know, did you talk to him after all this went down and what did he say to you? Yeah, I spoke to him. Um, you know, we, we, we had such a good group in, in Long Island. I think a big, big reason why we had so much success was that we had a really tight-knit group. And I know um, in year-end meetings and, and listening to Lou talk to the team that he really wanted to keep the group together just because of, um, you know, how close-knit we were. And, and really, I mean, you look back at the last three years since Barry and him have come, um, I don't know how many it is, but I'm, I'm going to guess uh, if I can count off the top of my head here, I think we've been through 10 playoff rounds together. I mean, that's that's – that's a lot in three years. Yeah. I think other than, other than Tampa Bay, I think we were the second most. So, um, you know, when you're winning and you lose four or four, so you win six or seven or whatever it was, I mean, that's, you're going to battle with each other and you gain, 
uh, more respect when you win and, and you do that. So um, I know he really wanted to keep the group together, but with obviously the expansion draft uh, cap, I know they had to trade Nick Luddy and um, then obviously I got picked up. It's tough. So, um, and, and Barry kind of said the same thing to me. Um, you know, he really wanted to keep the group together. It's tough for the way that things are going and caps staying flat and it's tough to, you know, it's not, it's not moving up and it's, and things are, that's just the business of the game, which sucks. So, um, you know, I have the utmost respect for, for Barry and Lou and, and I mean, Barry and I, um, you know, we, we, I don't want to say we go way back, but, um, I mean, he was a hound, Notre Dame hound. I was a hound We played for the Pats. I was a Pat. I mean, he's a good man. And, and, uh, you know, as far as, um, you know, his coaching style, he helped me, um, change my game into a defensive, not defensive role. Cause I, I don't think I'll ever be a defensive <laughs> role, but definitely a good 200 foot player. And, and, uh, and that's, uh, that's stuff you need as you, you get older in your career, you want to be known to, you know, keep the puck out of your net in certain situations as well as putting it in. So, um, you know, his coaching style, he kind of helped us bring the team together and we don't have a lot of superstars, but we, uh, you know, we almost got the job done. Did Barzell give you any good, uh, underground haunts in Seattle to hit up when you get out there? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, for anyone who doesn't know Barzy, he, uh, he likes to talk about how good he is. So, um, <laughs> the first thing he said to me is that you'll never be more of a legend than I was in Seattle, but <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I'm going to have to try and prove him wrong. So, um, I know we had a, hit a memorial or didn't win the Memorial cup. I think they, they, the they, got, I think they area. yeah, they got killed there, but they won the WHL. So in Regina um, on brand center ice. Yeah. In overtime. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I think I was bugging about that game. I think he told me from, I think that was the only game he went pointless in the playoffs. That's, I think that's what he told me and he, brought it up many times but um yeah I mean obviously I was a pat so he, he tries to rub my face but you know what he, he's a he's a good kid there's a like I said there's a lot of guys on the team I'm, I'll miss for sure so what about that uh Kraken roster obviously it looks a little bit different than it did uh on expansion night but what do you what do you think about the team they've got put together there there's five five Sasky weapons picked there already <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, you look at some of the names, I think there's definitely a lot of West Coast guys, which is good. The guys that are close to home. Um, you know, I, I'm not fam- – I, I know their names and played against them. I'm not familiar with a lot of the guys um, personally, but I was really happy to see them sign Jaden Schwartz. I, I knew – I've known him since, honestly, I was 10 years old. So um, – and his family. And, uh, you know, he's a great kid and, and obviously a great player. So – um, you know, I, I, uh, I saw with the whole, the draft and obviously we got a lot of good, hardworking guys, guys that are, you know, going to put their backs to the walls and, and, uh, you know, work and, and, and keep the pocket, a lot of good two way guys too. So, um, you know, I think the biggest thing and, and, and most people thought is just the amount of cap room that we had and that they were going to be signing guys. So they've already signed a few guys. I wouldn't be surprised if there was maybe one or two more, but, um, you know, you look at how Vegas did when they came in the expansion. There's when there's zero expectation, um, you know, a lot can happen. So you play that underdog role. I'm sure, sure we'll take on the uh, the misfit role and and uh, play it to a T. So I've talked to a lot of guys, and you know, I've told them, hey, we got Ebbs coming on, and uh, we're going to do a show. And I said, he, you know, I don't don't know him well, but he seems pretty quiet. And they've everyone has said to me. You should talk to his dad, Darren, then, because he likes to <laughs> chat. He likes to give her. So with, you, with your mom and dad, you, with you moving out, you're obviously a little bit closer. Uh, how's the fi- family dynamic work, and how are they, uh, how are they taking all this? Yeah, they're, they're super excited. I was joking around that, um, I mean, I played in Edmonton for seven years, which was, um, 
you know, Edmonton was Edmonton was too close where, you know, people are showing up at my door every day, family <laughs> yeah. members, friends, whereas Seattle is like close, but it's not close enough that they're going to be there every day. So, um, you know, we're, we're excited to be closer to my wife and, and we just had a baby uh, about a year and a half ago, too. So, you know, I should be able to get back once in a while. And um, it's just nice being on the West Coast again, too. So uh, with with the, all this COVID stuff and travel the last couple of years I, i've barely seen anybody so i'm sure uh i'm sure i'll get to see quite a few people uh, a lot more i know my dad already planned a trip a couple trips and, and i know my mom was talking about coming like five or six times already so um we'll have to cut that down a couple or uh, hey, it's cheap, I don't think cheap too- babysitters yeah exactly true <laughs> So what we like to uh, what we like to do a little bit on this show, obviously, is is go back and people love stories from growing up and, and minor hockey and, and that kind of thing. Just reminisce a little bit. So you played all of your a good majority of your minor hockey in Regina, correct? And then moved to Calgary uh, yep. near the end there. So yep. who were some of the teams you played on minor hockey? Any any other players in Regina here that went on to, I guess, junior careers or, or anything like that? Yeah, I, I grew up playing in the, uh, I guess that would be the Southeast Division. I mean, we were called the Regina Kings. Um, you know, we used to just clean up from Novice to Bantam to, uh, well, not so much Bantam, but Novice for sure we won every year. And then Adam we won every year. And, uh, you know, I, actually at one point we were so good, they, they divided our, uh, our, our zone in half to make us two teams, and we still won. So, I mean, it was – I have a lot of good fond memories playing um, – I guess minor hockey in Regina, uh, summer hockey. We, uh, I was playing on the, the Wheatland. My dad actually ran, ran the Wheatland. So, um, played a little bit for the Huskies, but I mean, I, I played a lot of hockey when I was a kid. We, I mean, whether it's outdoors, I mean, people from Saskatchewan, it gets pretty cold. I, I played it. We had a, my dad made a hockey rink in the backyard, played a ton of hockey. Um, a lot of, I'm trying to think of guys right now that, I mean, there's definitely a lot of guys that went on to play junior. Um, as far as, I mean, pro, I, I honestly, in the top of my head, I can't really think of anyone, which probably isn't good, but um, a lot of good junior players and, and some good high draft picks in the WHL too. So um, you know, I, I, I still consider John my home. And when I think back to minor hockey, there's a lot of fond memories and, and guys I still see kicking around Regina that I, I definitely played with. So you mentioned you played a lot of hockey. Did you play other sports and a lot of other sports? Yeah. So when I say I played a lot of hockey, I guess, um, I mean, I, I kind of did it myself and I'm talking road hockey and ball hockey. I had a brother and two sisters and we played a ton, but, uh, once it kind of hit, I think I'm going to say probably may, um, hockey was done. I mean, it was, I, I was, I played baseball every year. I played lacrosse one year, um, uh, played football for one year, um, played volleyball, soccer. Like I did it all. Like, I think that's really important that kids get out and go and play other sides. So for, for a good, like three, four, five months, I mean, I wasn't playing organized hockey and, um, obviously I loved the game and I was still playing roller hockey and all that and, and, and doing all those things, but, um, organized hockey was done. And, and I think it's still to this day, it's, I think it's important that kids go and play different sports because, um, I mean, you're going to develop more as an athlete. It's probably going to help you in your hockey game. So you actually, you scored 216 points, <laughs> 216 goals so over, over 60 yeah. games <laughs> in, in, in 1999, 2000 and, and with the novice Kings. <laughs> so suck then, it, Barzell. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Barzell. Yeah. So you, uh, you decide to go Bantam triple a when you're 14 and you decide to go to Notre Dame, what takes you out there? Cause there's like, there's good programs all over, you know, even right here in Regina, 
what what makes that decision uh, for you? Yeah, so um, well, side note, to, I'll give you a good story on the, the that season you're talking about. So um, obviously, growing up in Regina, the Riders are a huge presence. Um, my best friend at the time when I was in elementary school and I played with them hockey were Derek and Brett Schneider. And, uh, their mom was uh, married to Dave Ridgway at the time. And everyone from Saskatchewan knows Dave Ridgway kicked the winning field goal. And I don't know what year it was in the great cup, but, um, big legend in Regina. And, um, I mean, it, Derek and Brett playing hockey with me. And I think Dave was uh, good friends with, um, Rob Vanstone in Regina. He still writes for the leader post. And he's like, you got to come watch this kid play, you know? <laughs> so he's pumping me up. He gives me the, uh, the connection to Rob. And I remember when I was about 10, they came to my house, did an article on me and uh, talked about how many goals I scored. And, and it's funny that you look back on it. I mean, to this day, I'm still talking to Rob Vanstone when I played for the Pats all the time. And, um, you know, every once in a while, but he was the first guy to write an article. I mean, I thought that was pretty cool. So um, the little Regina rider connection from yeah. a long, long time ago, but uh, yeah, as I, as I got older, um, when I turned 14, my parents, my dad's job got moved to Calgary. So the move was happening and, and uh, I didn't really know a lot about the Bantam situation in, in Calgary. And, and even before that, I kind of had my mindset on going to Notre Dame. I mean, obviously, if you're from Saskatchewan, it's a pretty big, big school. You look at some of the NHL names that have gone on to play pro and, and whatnot. It's it's pretty elite. So. Um, I went to the school and, and being from around there, it was, it was a pretty easy decision. I, I wanted to go, um, you know, but you, you learn quickly. You, the first day I remember being in the dorm, you're waking up. It's like you're, with, you're in a room with three other guys you've never met in your life. Um, you're going to school. You, you pretty much you grow up quickly and you learn to uh, make friends quickly. It's going to be a long year. And a lot of people don't know about Notre Dame I and mean, 90% of it's hockey, but there's 10% of it that, that kids are there for disciplinary reasons. So um, you know, it was, uh, I got a lot of good stories and, and still a lot of good memories. I mean, my brother went there too. So, uh, I loved every minute of that place. So after you get, you get selected by the Pats, your hometown Pats, but you don't, you don't get selected till the seventh round, 126th overall. Then you go back, obviously mom and dad are in Calgary, you head back to Calgary and you play some uh, Alberta midget hockey with the Calgary Buffaloes. What was that experience like? Did, did the Pats want you to go there? No. So I played for, yeah, obviously Bantam AAA as a, as a 14 year old, uh, finished the year. I think I like led the Saskatchewan league in points. Um, and was, and there was guys on my team, like three or four guys that could get drafted like second round, first round, third round. And I, I just kept being dropped and I talked to a couple teams. I think there was a big fee. I was, and this, this is before, um, yeah. you know, little guys were allowed to play. I mean, I was five foot three and maybe like 85 pounds. Like I was tiny they all thought I was going to go college. And I think no one really wanted to take a chance on me. And, um, and I think that's a big reason why I went late, but I mean, that kind of always just gave me this chip on my shoulder. I was pissed off how late I was going to go. And to be honest, like if, if, if Regina hadn't taken me and another team had taken me, I probably would have gone to college. The fact that the Pats took me, I mean, I grew up watching them, went to every season ticket. We had season tickets since I was, you know, nine, eight years old. I went to every game. Um, that's pr probably the reason I went there, but, um, as I finished my year in Bantam, I had a meeting with the coach and they told me I'd probably play on the Argos for the year, the next year, which is the second triple A team. And that kind of pissed me off a little bit. And, um, you know, I, I said, screw it. I'm going to go to Calgary. Um, I had talked to the Calgary Buffaloes coach at the time and they wanted me to try out. And it's a little different in Alberta where you, you actually have to get asked to try out as a 15 year old where all the 16, 17 year olds can just go. So 
I got asked with about five other guys, had a good camp, made the team. And um, honestly, in my, you know, long, I mean, I'm getting old now, but in a lot of years I've played you know, hockey. That's still one of the closest teams I've played with is that midget team. We, we almost won the Telus Cup and I still talk to, uh, you know, a good half of that team. So after that uh, midget year, obviously you go straight to Regina, that 16 year old year, were you like pretty sure you were going to make the Pats at that age or? Yeah, like not at all. I went I went to the Okotoks Oilers camp before I went to the Pats camp, tried out for the junior A team, made the team. And I said to them, I was like, I got to go to Pats camp. Like this is, you know, I just, just to show up. And I never went as a 15 year old, but I, I was going to go as a 16 year old. And I was like, I'm just going to go. It's my hometown. Give him a shot. I mean, I had already had the junior A thing ready as a 16 year old, but, you know, I went no expectation. I don't even think they had me on their radar. I showed up first day and, and uh, I mean, I must've got on the radar quick because within uh, a couple of weeks, I remember meeting in a room with Curtis Hunt who was at the time and, and uh, my dad and Brent Parker. And they basically, you know, my dad's worried that I'm going to go there and get healthy scratch being out of the lineup. He wants me to play. I mean, probably every, the whole, every Western Canadian dads, you know, you know, they, they all probably say the same thing when they go to their meetings with their kid leaving at 16, but uh, he was worried I wasn't going to be in a line. You know, they kind of assured – they didn't want to say I was going to play on the first line or anything, but he's, Curtis kind of assured he'll, he'll play, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I remember my dad turned to me. He's like, what do you want to do? And I was like, ah, screw it. I'll stay here. So, I mean, it worked out well. I, I billeted with my grandma and, and my grandpa and Regina, and, which is probably easier than living at home. And, and uh, I loved every minute I played for the Pats. It was – other than, you know, we didn't, we didn't uh, win anything big, but it was – I loved it. It was, it was a dream for me. So also on this show, we, we talk a lot of senior hockey in the winter. Obviously, Saskatchewan's big into senior hockey. But just looking at that roster, man, there's some weapons on that team that now play senior <laughs> hockey that have been on our show, like Kyle Ross, yeah. Mike, Mike Reach, Psychopath. Uh, yeah, lots of <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I got – I mean, there's a ton of Sasky boys that I played with that I – I mean, a little bit older, but actually a good, good buddy of mine, Matt Struby, who I played a few years with. He's, he's actually up. Uh, in Calgary this week with me. So we've golfed a couple of times, but um, yeah, I, I, I still see those guys kicking around or John or playing senior and I love it. I I'll uh, it's I, maybe one day I'm going to go play that. I mean, I'd love that too. Well, the amount of, we call it sticks and gas. That's what the senior teams pay players. Cause they don't want to, you know, <laughs> aren't allowed to dish out cash. We call it sticks and gas. I know some yeah, of those yeah. guys are, you might, you might get a couple hundred a game, Ebs, if you come back and play. <laughs> oh, man, I'll play for free. As long as no one, like, takes a shot at me and tries to take my head off, I'll play for free. I'd love that. So during your uh, during your junior career, you obviously you were fortunate enough to to play in a couple World Juniors and you won a gold in one. Maybe walk us through that. Where, where was the first – when you guys won gold, where was that one uh, held? It was in Ottawa, Ottawa. And, uh, yeah, so Pat Quinn coached that team, but – um, a lot of people don't know. I think his name is Benoit grew. I might be messing that up, but he was actually the original coach and they have a summer camp. I went to this summer camp as an 18 year old. I was terrible. Like I, I was one of the worst players in camp. And I remember having my exit meeting and they told me that and I was well aware cause I, I knew I sucked. And I honestly, I was like, I'm not going to get invited back to the kit, to the main camp in December. I was like, the only way I come back is if I actually tear this league up to start the year. Sure enough, Benoit leaves to, um, he left to the AHL, took a head coaching job. So they hired Pat Quinn and I had had Pat Quinn at the under 18s the year before and we won and I love Pat. And I mean, obviously I was pretty charged about that. And then 
I had a great start to the year. They invited me back. I had a good camp and I'm making the team. So I, I, kind of, I doubt I was even on their list to begin with. So, uh, yeah. And then we won in Ottawa. It was, uh, that was pretty amazing. So got to ask about, uh, we talked about the Regina Pats, obviously people around here that would know, would know there's probably some discussion at that time, if you were going to get traded or not, uh, at the end of your time with the Pats. So was there ever like, I guess for people that don't know the story or whatever, was there ever a time you thought you were going to get traded or you wanted to get traded or was there ever anything yeah. close? So this is, this is why I wish Brent was on this yeah, podcast right now. I would grill him about this. I've asked him before, got different answers, but um, so I had a meeting with them probably about a week before the trade deadline. And we were kind of, I want to say four or five points out of playoffs. I mean, if, if we, if we would have snuck in, I mean, we would have had to play some big teams and I'm not saying we wouldn't have gone far because you never know, but uh, I mean, it was my last year. I, I wanted to win. I wanted to go somewhere. And then we, and I, and I expressed that. So, um, you know, the night before the draft, it wasn't just myself. It was Colton Tuber as well. I mean, he was a guy that I played with two world juniors with came as a 16 year old. He was a high NHL pick. I mean, we had literally a draft party uh, or a, a trade party, um, the night before the trip, because I, I mean, we thought I was like, I'm gone. Sorry. Like, this is it. Like, this isn't the last time I'm here with you guys woke up in the morning and, uh, and I was waiting for the call and got a call and he just said, I just couldn't find the right deal. So I ended up finishing my career as a pet. And I mean, I look back on it and, uh, I mean, I was a little upset at the time, but I got an opportunity to go play in the minors. And then I got an opportunity to, uh, go play in the men's world championships right after that. So, um, you know, it all worked out for the best. I was pumped. I think I scored 50 that year and I got to do it in Regina Jersey. And, um, you know, I, I still don't know what the offers were. I'd love to hear it one day and, and what, 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 what transpired there, but, um, you know, maybe I'll get it out of them one time. Well, there was like some, I loves around that era. There was some trades where guys were getting some serious returns back in those days too. Right. Like, yeah, I remember that, uh, Braden Shen the next year yeah. got traded to Saskatoon and, I think I don't, I don't know, a couple first round picks, a couple second round picks. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear. I, I, I remember I got off the bus in Brandon. Uh, we played them the last game of the year. And Kelly McCrimmon, who's the general manager coach, met me outside the bus before the game. And he said, I, he's like, I, I did everything I could to get you. <laughs> so, like I said, I'd love to hear what the uh, the deal was. I mean, those guys, Kelly's uh, in Vegas now. And, and uh, I see Brent once in a while, so. Um, I'll have to get them together and find out the real answer. Did Brandon win that year? Uh, so they hosted the Memorial Cup that oh, year. Yeah. Um, they lost, I believe, in the league championship, but they uh, they lost in the in the uh, in the Memorial Cup final to Windsor. It was the year they lost like eight one. Windsor had that wag of the team, bit of a wag on. So we go we go to the 08 entry draft. You end up getting taken twenty second overall by the Oilers. Was there? You know, was that a little bit of a redemption, I'm going to say, from your past transgressions where people thought you were just too small or too this or too that to be getting taken first overall? Did, or sorry, uh, 22nd overall in the first round. Did you have any inclination you were going to go there? Yeah, I mean, the, the, my first two years of junior were, were kind of a whirlwind. I mean, I really I can't imagine I was expected to make the pats coming into camp. Um, I had a good midget year, and I'm sure they thought I was a, one of their prospects, but um, I didn't think that they thought I was by any means going to be an impact player coming in. Um, had a, I mean, it was just, it was just a good fit. I was comfortable there as a six year old. I think I led the team in goals uh, my first year. Um, 
played on the uh, the Canada team. It was just kept things just kept happening. The next year, I came into camp more confidence. Um, started the year really really hot, and all of a sudden you see your name, you know, um, on the draft board being you know called pretty early. And I really, I mean, obviously you want that, but it, I hadn't thought about it until you start to see it. So um, I had a good year that year. I scored, I think, 42 as a 17-year-old. And and then you got to go through all the combine, which is kind of a nightmare. You meet with every team and you got to do the fitness testing. It's a lot. So, um, but once it all said and done, I mean, I I really wanted to be drafted by the Oilers. I was a huge Oilers fan growing up. Um, that's That was my dream pick for sure. And I knew they were very interested. And when they called my name, I was just like ecstatic. I was, it couldn't have been happier. You probably see it in my draft picture. Like I, I couldn't stop smiling. I was so pumped. So uh, I'm sure you talk to any kid who gets drafted in the NHL. It's, it's a pretty amazing feeling, but that it's, it's, you realize when you, when you get to your first NHL camp that you're a long ways from making it though. So it, uh, that's another story. <laughs> You were roommates with Halsey and, and Ryan Whitney. Now, obviously, a lot of our listeners, I think Whitney might be the most, uh, one of the top five most popular guys in, in hockey right now with uh, spitting chiclets. But any stories about him or anything about living living with him that stands out? Yeah, so I, I lived with Halsey. Him and I lived together my first two years. And uh, we're going into our third year, which actually ended up being the lockout year. And uh, Wits had, it was funny because, Halsey and I were running mates. I mean, he's at the time I was 20, he was 19 next year, 21, 20, but we had always hung out with wits for every, like wits was, it was, that was, that was our crew. I mean, wits is, I'm going to eight years older than me and nine years older than Halsey. And I mean, he, he expressed that he wanted to live with us, which um, I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'd love that. But I look back on it now. It's pretty funny. I mean, he's, you know, we got a 30 year old, a 22 year old and a 21 year old all living together, but, uh, I love him. I, I tell people all the time, um, you know, he's exactly how he is in real life, how he is on that podcast. Like he was made for podcasting and, and being an entertainer. He's uh, he, I mean, there's a million stories I have of him from stuff he does at restaurants to just how his persona is, but he, um, I probably can't tell a lot on air, but I'm trying to think of one that's PG. <laughs> I mean, the fact that you got a 22 year old and a 29, 21 year old and a 30 living together is, is a story in itself. So it's, it's uh, like that, that guy in high school or the guy that graduates high school, he's like 25 and he comes back and goes to high school. Oh yeah. He's like the guy from days to confuse the uh, math McConaughey. That's him. <laughs> but I, so, I still to this, I still to this day talk to it uh, once in a while and Halsey and I, we, we got to, we got together a few years, a couple of years ago before COVID hit, and we, we went for dinner in the city and just kind of rekindled stories. And um, but I mean, you talk to any guy that those that's the stuff you're gonna miss when you retire. I mean, he was he was such a character and 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 really a a mentor for me as a young kid coming in because um, a lot of people don't realize how good of a player Wits was. I mean, he was our best defenseman the first couple of years. He had some injury problems and that kind of held him back a little bit, but um, he was a hell of a player. Let's talk about your first NHL game, October 7th, uh, 2010. You're playing the Flames. That in itself must have been, you know, butterflies and just stepping out there for the first time. You're coming, basically we'll call it home because you, you, your parents and family had been in Calgary for a long time. And then you score your first goal that night too. Walk us through that day. Um, yeah, I mean, every every kid remembers their first NHL game. For me, it was really special. I mean, Hockey Night in Canada, again, first game of the year against the Flames. You, you couldn't really script it better. I got all my family there. Um, I mean, by no means do I have 
scoring a goal on my radar, but to do it in the fashion that it happened, I mean, I don't know. I just, uh, and it's funny because I was on the penalty kill and I don't penalty kill anymore. So I don't, they obviously trusted me as a young kid to be out there killing. I'm on a two-on-one with Horkoff who's our captain. I look him off and decide to backhand toe drag the D. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I wish I had an answer for, you know, what went on there, but it just, it just kind of happened. You just, you go out there and play. So, um, Rick, I, I, I wish I still had that in the repertoire. I'm, uh, I'm scared to do that now. <laughs> I mean, we had some tough years in Edmonton. It was nice to, it was nice to finally get to the, to the playoff my last year there and actually get a chance to, to, uh, you know, see what the city was like. Cause I mean, I, I'd grown up watching when they went through that run and I think it was 05 and how crazy white Ave was. So I got to, experienced that a little bit which was neat you're obviously with the Oilers a long time and there's a lot of attention in the media and stuff on how it ended but uh you know how that can be in the media so was there ever a time where you were kind of just looking for a fresh start and wanted to move on or, or they were to move on or I guess what kind of happened there Eps with the trade I I was never looking to get out for sure like never did I ever say I want to get traded from here I mean in no for sure there was times when you know, you're, you're leaving the rink and you're just like, oh, I just can't believe this. Like, and, and media is pretty harsh there. They get on you. Um, yeah. Not so much. They do a good job of staying away from the young guys. But once you start becoming of age and probably into your second contract, you make some money. I mean, rightfully so. They, they start getting on you. And, and the fans, too. I mean, the fans, um, they, they definitely seem to pick on a guy or two each year. And, and those are the guys that seem to get traded. So, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a tough place to play. I always say the highs are really high and the lows are low. So, um, as a professional athlete, you have to deal with that. And, um, but I loved, you know, the majority of my time in Edmonton and, and, uh, I just wish we could have won more because it would have been, uh, it would have been a great place to win for sure. So do you like, as a, even now, do you look at Twitter or do you, I was going to say newspaper, but I don't know if anybody looks at those anymore, but do you look at Twitter or your phone or anything to see what people are saying about you? So after my time in Edmonton, I pretty much gas social media. I, I mean, we're all human. I, I'd look at it and uh, you, you'd rub it off, but I mean, it's stung. I'm sure everyone looks at it. They don't want us to read that they suck all the time. So I, uh, I completely gas social media. I, I still have an activated account but I never go on it. I don't even have it on my phone. So I don't have that. I don't have Instagram or nothing. So um, it's kind of been nice to be honest. Uh, you know, it kind of keeps you. The only thing that sucks is like, I'll hear about trades like a day or two after, like I'm trying to, it's hard to keep track without Twitter. You know, that is like my newspaper, as you just said, like it's my, my resource for what's going on. I, I think most people find out now that they got traded on Twitter before they get a call. Or picked by the Seattle Kraken. Yeah, no, I, I knew that one because they told me a day before and uh, <laughs> I was supposed to keep it secret, which we all did. And then I landed in Seattle the next day and I could see my team. So I don't know how that got leaked. So I just wanted to touch back on that, on the social media thing. I was like, that must be super difficult. But because I, I, you know, I follow a lot of these guys and we watch and some of these guys are pretty heavy into it. And it's, you know, kind of comical even sometimes. Some, some of these guys get pretty riled up and they really get going on it. Are you talking like players or fans? I'm talking to some players. Like I even think of, uh, oh my god, like Commodore. I know he's retired now, but yeah. he's really heavy on there. And I, I like following him and watching him, and I, I get a kick out of him. Yeah, I, I think when I retire, I'll uh, I'll probably get back to it, and not so much tweeting, just to keep tabs on what's going on. I mean, Commie's done a good job of. I know Commie well from we play golf once in a while in Calgary, and he's here, and um, 
you know, he does a good job of, you know, it's about building your brand too. I mean, yeah. a lot of these guys that they, they want to, they want to build their brand and they're, they're, and they're getting exposure and they're, and they're creating opportunities out of it, which is awesome. I mean, that's such a good tool to use that for. I, for me personally, I've just never been um, outspoken and, and really want the attention. So um I've kind of, you know, gassed it from that perspective, but for sure, I enjoy reading what guys are saying. Like it makes me laugh just as much as it makes other guys laugh. And I just, I just found it for more of a negative tool against me early on in my career than it, than it was positive. And I think that's why I ultimately decided to get rid of it. So, um, but you know, it, it can be used as such a positive for sure. And, and you see it all the time. You still playing the guitar? Yeah. Yeah. I still do that quite a bit. Um, yeah, I after games and on the road, we we actually in Long Island we had five or six guys who played. So especially in the bubble, we'd all bring our guitars and play and write songs and just be idiots. So I mean, it was nice to do. So if there's uh, you know an empty stage and you have to go up there and you got like three or four minutes to play any one song, what song are you going to? Oh man, like I'm terrified. Like that's my like stage fright. I probably have a hundred percent. I got to know Kiss Brett Kissel a little bit over the last. Oh man, I think I've known him for like 12 or 10 years. So we became pretty good friends and he's asked me quite a few times to come up on stage at ranchman's or wherever he's playing. I'm like, dude, like if you call me up, I'm going to like piss myself. Like I'll be so scared, but he, uh, he, he, he I mean, he laughs cause it's like, you're playing in front of fans, but I'm like, this is something I've been doing my whole life. Probably the same for you. But if I had to play one song, like, I don't even know what I would, I don't even know what I'd play. I mean, I have a pretty good repertoire of a bunch of songs, but the problem is I can't sing. So um, I need I need a song that everyone's going to sing with me so I don't sound so bad. So you've won, you know, you've won world championships. You've won world junior championships, under 18 championships. How hungry are you at this stage of your career for a Stanley Cup, being so close? Yeah, I mean, that's that's number one. Um I mean, that's first and foremost, that's, that's all I want, really. Um, I think that's why it was such a, a hard, sorry, my, my little girls were running in here. <laughs> uh, that's why it's, that was, that's why it was, I mean, this year and last year was such a tough, tough way to, to finish the year and, and to, to really, in my opinion, like I said, we lost by game seven and, and in my mind, I thought we could have had a chance to go on and beat, um, to beat the Habs, so. Uh, it was a tough pill to swallow. It made us hungry for the next year, but then obviously all this happened. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm obviously like every guy late in their career, they're, they're chasing the Stanley Cup. I don't want to say late because I, I still think I got quite a few years left, but um, we're definitely on the back nine. So uh, that's first and foremost what I'm looking for. Okay, Abs, how we kind of wrap these things up is a little rapid fire. We'll just uh, fire a question at you. You can give us a one-word answer, a five-minute story. We don't really care. We just kind of call it rapid <laughs> fires. So sure. we'll go with the old standby, Boz. Your favorite road barn or road city? Yeah, so road barn uh, would be probably Montreal or Chicago. Those two, they get rocking. Road city would be Nashville for sure. Favorite rink to play in as a kid in Regina? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I mean, they got the Doug Wick and Heiser. Do they still have that rink? Yeah, yeah, in the north. Yeah. Okay, that was that was like the nicest rink I think. Other than the the Twins, the Twins was like that one was close to that was nice. And then you had like the Mahan, the Staples. the Staples. Oh, the Staples was it? The, and then there was another one that was. They were all three the exact same. Uh yeah, the oh. other city one. 
Well, then there's the the Richie, too. Yeah, I was going to say my favorite rink is the Al Richie. That was my favorite. It was freezing in the air because it was like a tin box, but uh, in the ice is always good close to home. So I like, I'm going to go with the Al Richie. Biggest, like, I'm going to say stud you ever played against, or biggest, like, you were in awe that you were actually playing against this guy or playing with him. Oh, that's that's easy. That's that's Connor McDavid. I mean, when he comes out as an 18 year old, and um, I literally remember the first time I saw him practice, and it was like, "Where this is before camp, so we're all there a couple weeks early, and we're just scrimmaging and skating around." And within like the first 10 minutes, I don't know who I turned to, but I looked at somebody, I was like, "This kid is like so much better than everyone here." Like it was humbling to be on the ice. I'm just like, "This kid is unbelievable." I thought you were going to say Justin Bernhardt. <laughs> yeah, he's a close second. <laughs> Do you have one game that stands out like as a kid where you just had like an unbelievable game or any, you know, scored 10 or anything like that? Um, I mean, there's definitely, there's nights where just like pucks go in and like you could, you could, there's nights where you could have three chances and score three goals and everyone talks about that, but there's other nights where you have 10 and you don't get one where you played way better. I mean, it's, it's such a finicky game that way, but um, I'm trying to think here, like a night where just everything went right. I mean, I've had a couple in the NHL, but I mean, there's definitely ones in in like minor hockey where you think back to and you're like, I actually, it was funny. My mom's selling her house right now. My brother found a score sheet from that year from when we were 10 years old and we were looking at, my dad must've kept the score sheet, but literally we we're 10 years old. We're playing the flyers. I'm looking at the score. sheet, just says seven, 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 seven. I think I had like, I think I had like eight goals and four assists. <laughs> Have a night. Hardest, hardest guy you ever played against. Like, doesn't have to be the toughest, just the hardest guy to play against. Yeah. Um, you know what? A guy that I always hated playing against. And when I played in Edmonton, I was uh, had a sponsorship deal with ATB Financial. And he did out of Calgary. That's Mark Giordano. So him and I would shoot commercials together in the summer. So I got to know him a little bit. But and every we played against each other, whatever it was, he just He'd, he'd like make a point of just cross-checking me and making this like the night miserable for me. So, I mean, obviously I'm pretty happy that he's on my team now. Lowest round of golf you've ever shot? Lowest round is uh, 69 at uh, my home track here in, in Calgary, Cottonwood. One time under 70? I got a, I got three. I got three. And a couple of times at Mackenzie Meadows, which is a little easier, a little open. We always joke you can pretty much make birdie from everywhere. But uh, the 69... Uh, I'm caught what is is probably the best round I've played. Favorite track you played in New York? The golf course? Yeah. So there's a course out in the Hamptons called, uh, well, it's called the Hamptons, but it's, uh, I can't remember the name of the area, but it's called Sabonic. And uh, actually the, our, the goalie, like, you know, how the third goal, the emergency goalie, he is the, um, I'm going to mess the name, but the, the guy who takes care of the green, like the, arguably the most important guy there the golf course, the, the course attendee or whatever, he's that. So we'd always get out there and uh, I think it was like $1.3 million to join this course. And no one talks about it. It's Rapeside Shinnecock, but um, it is an absolute gorgeous course. Abs, thanks so much for hopping on, man. Uh, you know, just I got your number obviously from Brent Parker and just texting with you over the last week. You can just tell you're just, uh, you know, just the guy's guy, just a super, uh, super human being. And uh, Saskatchewan gentlemen, we wish you the best of luck in Seattle. And uh, hopefully you can be raising that jug above your head uh, before your career is over. 
I appreciate it. Yeah, no, it was good. Uh, I appreciate the uh, story of the late response. You gave me the, the call there and honestly, I didn't get it till like a few days later. I was like, Oh shit. Like he, cause it, cause you talked about the Tuesday. So no, I'm glad we got to do it. I, I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Thanks. Thanks a lot. All right. Take care guys. Wow, boss, Jordan Eberly, what a sasky gentleman, like I said, uh, absolute weapon, man. I wonder, wonder how many games he's going to actually end up playing in the show. Like he's built, uh, he kind of reminds me of, of sort of like a Marlowe, like he's built for uh, longevity. Yeah, obviously, uh, wish him nothing but the best there in Seattle. He's 31 and he's closing in on uh, 800 games, so... Three years from now, he'll be at that 1,000-game plateau and probably still have a couple of years uh, in him. So wish him nothing but the best. You, you talked about that first goal, or you asked him about that first goal. I was going to chime in there. I remember where I was. You know, we talked about my buddy bowling guy a few shows ago. Yeah, bowling guy. I was yeah. actually at the Fairhaven Bowling Alley in Saskatoon. It was my first year out of high school. We were watching the game at the bowling alley, and Ebbs went uh, backhand shelf or whatever. So I, that's, that's 12 years ago. And that goal sticks out in my mind as an Oiler fan. But the better question is, were you playing 10-pin or 5-pin? I'm a 10-pin kind of guy. 10-pin kind of guy. Well, hey, as always, interview wrap-up brought to you by Malcolm Vanstone and 2020 Geomatics. Talk to that pigeon this week and uh, absolute weapon. If you guys are any, anybody, if you're subdividing land, doing anything like that, multi-lot development, stuff like that, don't try to do it yourself. It's going to cost you money. You don't know what you're doing. Full Malcolm, he'll come riding in on his quad with a bunch of stakes, get it all sorted out for you. Probably take you for a round of golf after. 2020 Geomatics, Malcolm Vanstone, give those pigeons a call. The uh, poet and author in our DMs uh, back on the, the show here at 2020. Well, speaking of that, boss, I was kind of scared to make the call about the because I was like, oh, I only got do I have an hour? hour. <laughs> I only have a half an hour. Do I have time to make the Malcolm call? And I'd already called. I had already chucked in a uh, voicemail to hashtag kayak guy Sean Steppens from the uh, Rusty Shovel. So I was waiting for him to call me back too, and I thought, oh boy. Speaking of Sean Steppen, that weapon from your local neighborhood uh, landscape shop, the Rusty Shovel. Take a seat, son. Obviously, a segment uh, previously sponsored by the Rusty Shovel still is. They're back. They're back in business here with this they segment. Are. So let's get right into it, Shane. I don't know if you have a take a seat. Uh, I'll go first. I'll go first. All right. This isn't, this isn't a great one, I'll be honest. But uh, watching the Olympics, like I said, I've been watching quite a few Olympics, watching some weird sports. So Russia has been banned from the Olympics, allegedly, for doping or whatever. They're cheaters. Yep. It's just, Yeah. They're booted. They're, they've been booted. So they're not allowed to be Russia. They're allowed to be the ROC or the athletes from Russia. <laughs> like talk about a punishment. You're not allowed to represent Russia, but you're allowed to be under the athletes of Russia. I just think it is the stupidest thing ever. Bad take yeah. a seat, but I'm just like, okay, if you're going to ban them, ban them or else just call yourselves Russia. But is it a bad take a seat? I think it's a good take a seat. Cause it's like, it's, a, yeah. it's like the whole world right nowadays. It's like, you shouldn't do that, but if you do, you just got to change your name. And okay, their cool. <laughs> their logo is like a small Russian flag with the Olympic like circles above it. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a life lesson. Hey, this is your slap on the wrist. What a joke. Well, hey, my take a seat this week is, uh, and, I, and I'm sure if you're on Twitter or any kind of socials, you've seen this, is Evander Kane. Like the guy's obviously a gambling addict. Got a young family, and uh, his wife chucked out a tweet about him throwing or attempting to throw some of his own games. And he had this big rebuttal 
on Twitter and they're just like going at each other on Twitter. It's kind of comical, but you know, take a seat, dude, obviously you got issues. And the other thing I've noticed is that how all these guys, and I, and I got to say guys specifically, cause that's what I've noticed. And maybe it's not just men, but like are totally siding, totally siding with him being like, yeah, your wife is a pigeon. And I'm like, what? How do you know? Just because he said this, the guy's obviously a gambling degen, way worse than anyone we know. And uh, yeah, screwing up his family and I feel bad for them. So that dude can totally take a seat. Well, you look back at his history of like the last nine years, I saw this timeline of like all the times he's been in trouble or charged or sued or whatever. It's like, okay, like, yeah, take a seat for people to paint his wife with that brush. It's like, this guy's obviously got issues. Like what, what yeah. his wife's likes got nothing to do with this. This guy is a degen. He's a loser. <laughs> and, uh, he's making like 7 million bucks a year for the next like five years. Hopefully that we will home. not, we will not be bringing, we will not be bringing him onto the show. That's for sure. We will not have <laughs> Vander Kane on unless the show. he slides into our DMS and we'll press. He slides in our DMS. Yeah. And uh, pays us a few sheets. Hey, and one more, take a seat boat etiquette guy. I said, I would mention oh, this Dallas, yeah. folk, Dallas folks sent out a tweet. There's like, do people not have any, uh, I like that. Yeah. I don't know if I have his tweet in front of me, but basically people are just buzzing by the boat, like five feet apart when they got nothing but room on the lake. Well, I was trying to, how did he say, what did he say? 50 feet. Is that what he said? I think so. I was like thinking to myself, 25. Like, that's not very far. Like, how buzzed is he getting? Is it like, is he fishing? Is he fishing away and some dude like tubing guy is like going by? Or is he like fishing and all of a sudden like paddle, paddle, paddle? Here comes Sean stepping in his kayak. And he's like, he's like mad at him, like, hey, stepping, get away from me, kayak guy. You're too close. You're 50 feet. Or is it like surf guy? The ballast full. Chucking the six, seven foot wake. I hate those guys, by the way. Chucking the six, seven foot wake, and you're like 50 feet from him, and he almost drowns your family and your family dog. I uh, I noticed a few lakes. They're starting to ban those wake boats. They should. They should ban every one of them. I have a neighbor or a friend who's got a cabin lakefront, and this guy had a wake boat. It was like a $160,000 boat. Oh, yeah. And just this year, this guy's so loaded, they banned wake boats. So he's like, okay, went and parked it, got a $90,000 <laughs> Lund fishing boat. So now he's got two boats worth a quarter of a mill skis. It's ridiculous. Ooh, but. That's good. Well, the problem with them is, is they throw these flat, calm, dead, calm day, and they're making six set, however big they are, six foot waves, we'll say, five foot waves. I don't even know how big they are, but they're dangerous, man. I've hit a few of them on a flat, calm day, and man, they're, uh, it's not fun. But anyway, yeah, they should be bad. Somebody said they like harm the fish too or something. I don't know. I wish I could like confirm that, but I could have to have Gubba. Maybe we'll bring Gubba on. Little, uh, Fish biology segment with Gubba. You could just roll with it and pretend like you know that's a thing. Totally bullshit. Yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna say, I was wondering if if we were gonna change the take a seat sign to like if you wanted like a new segment, like kayak guy segment, where we talk about that in the show, like kayak guy, paddleboard guy, all those. But uh, he hasn't brought that up yet. Sounds like he's pretty happy with uh, with take a seat son. So we'll uh, keep him slotted into that spot. You have anything else, uh, Shane? I do have one more thing. If you don't uh, have anything else, well, it's all I got, Buzz. What do you? Uh, what do you got for me? Well, as uh, as we talked about, we do have a draw to make. So I've uh, spent the last little bit here during the show cutting up pieces of paper with everybody's name in them that entered our uh, giveaway. Nice. Going to do the old fashioned, old fashioned like way. It. We're going to do a reverse draw. Ooh. <laughs> so we got three hundred names to pull. Stand with us here. <laughs> one and uh, done. Who do you got? 
All right. The winner of a Monday Nooner shirt, hat, couple of koozies to wear for a uh, upcoming rider game is Brad Alinek at Brad Alinek on Twitter. Congratulations, Brad. You've got a little prize pack courtesy of the old Nooner. Be in my mailbox, Brad. Come pick it up, you pigeon. That's it. Twirl 66 in the books of the Monday Nooner podcast. Belsky will plan to uh, reconvene next week, hopefully. Mario Lemieux and uh, you know Lemieux and my birthday same day same kind of player so uh, yeah no, 66 and out I'm the uh, I got a couple Theo Fleury and Mike Sillinger a couple B-Gens a couple B-Gens for sure alright Bozzy we'll see you next week bud 